Hello and welcome to Calling All Communicators, a podcast where industry professionals and academics discuss all things communication. I'm Zach. And I'm Cindy. Zach and I are mother-son duo who both study and work in the field of communication. Currently, I'm the owner of Great Guest Marketing. And currently, I'm a PhD student studying communication at Purdue University. Please enjoy this episode of Calling All Communicators. And please don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and tell all your friends. Welcome to episode four of Calling All Communicators. I'm Cindy Schrauben. And I'm Zach Isaacs. And today we have a very special guest with us. This is Dr. Dave Wynandy, a professor of communication from Aquinas College. He was a professor of mine during my undergraduates. So this is a very nice guest to have on. Uh, Dave has done an incredible amount of work uh, throughout the Grand Rapids community, doing a lot of different uh, consulting work with uh, really large corporations such as uh, the uh, Amway and other large uh, institutions. He also has done private consulting work uh, with with pageants uh, and things like that. He's been a judge on pageants. He's coached uh, Miss Michigan, uh, who who eventually became Miss uh, Miss America. So Dave has really been involved with a lot of different things. He's also won numerous teaching awards at Aquinas College throughout his teaching career. So we're very, very pleased to have Dave on because he has a wealth of information to share with us. So thank you, Dave, for coming on. Thank you. Dave is very pleased to be on. So there you go. It's reciprocal. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dave, for coming. I mean, it's especially nice for me as Zach's mom to have and knowing how influential you were in his undergraduate education. I really appreciate you being here and the influence you've had on him. Well, you're welcome. And it doesn't hurt that he is and was an amazing human being. So that didn't hurt. And there wasn't a whole lot of influence you had to have when somebody is as bright and um, intense and directive as he is. So and a good I bowler. Appreciate that. There you go. A good bowler, yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Dave, we like to start out these conversations by asking our guests, how did you get your calling for communication? Ooh. Or when? Um, mine probably came re- well, relatively late, although I don't know what late is actually anymore. <laughs> but um I did not ever dream that this would be something I would be doing or want to do. Um, I I remember specifically, if we go all the way back to high school, um, I could, I I mean, interpersonally and conversationally and leadership and things like that, that was no problem. But public speaking, I could do it, but it wasn't worth it. It just caused too much anxiety for me. So I remember in 11th grade, we had to give a speech in English class. And I thought, this is ridiculous. This is not English. I can get an A in anything, but I didn't see any purpose for this, but I still did it. And I practice, 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 because that's what you do when you have higher anxiety. And (laughs) I do. And ended up getting basically a perfect score on my speech. And because of that, they automatically enrolled me in speech class. In <laughs> and I said, that is 
that is a trick. It's not fair. And it was a one semester class. It wasn't even a full year class. And instead, I decided that I was not going to do that. And I'm, I'm especially at that point, I was rather introverted. Although, again, I could be extroverted and I still am that way. I'm still an introverted person who lives in an extroverted world mm -hmm. um, and can be that. But I... I said, I'm not going to speech class. And instead, I decided to enroll myself, even though I wasn't officially enrolled, in physics <laughs> for a year. And I did that. Um, and then they eventually unenrolled me. I went to college, and I specifically looked through the university catalog to find all the majors where you did not have to take a communication course. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, and I had to rule out a lot of majors because that stupid introduction to communication class was required for almost everyone. So I <laughs> ruled out a bunch of, of majors and then I ruled out other like aviation. I know knew I wasn't going to do music. I wasn't going to do. So I ended up um, majoring in things. And I, again, I was a big leader on our campus and won all kinds of leadership awards, but I didn't want somebody telling me I had to give a speech or yeah. a presentation. And for me and, and the people I work with, it's all about control. And when I feel like I have control over my body, over my content, over my, um, oh my gosh, the audience, the physical environment, anything, then I'm cool. But as soon as somebody says, do this, um, I was like, no, I don't think I want to. So <laughs> I, it was ironic because I ended up with two degrees and or majors where you you did have to take communication courses but it was I didn't realize that till later and they were more like group and and interpersonal so so I did undergraduate degrees I actually have two different undergraduate degrees because I went through the university but wanted to major in two things but they were in different colleges so I had to get a BA and a BS what were those um, degrees in social work actually and then in um, psychology with a minor in counseling or I put together my own counseling thing and then I did my master's in higher education administration and uh, worked at started off at Kent State University and worked in administration and I noticed that the best people, at any job were people who were the best at communicating and it didn't matter oh, yeah. what they mm -hmm. what, what the job was whether it was an attorney i knew or anybody and so i said all right i was doing some speaking on our campus my job entailed a ton of speaking and i knew i could do it and i thought but this is kind of interesting and so when i decided to i took a different job at bowling green state university and i said this is crazy i need to start taking some classes for free because i paid for all these classes <laughs> and you could do that as an employee so i enrolled in the phd program in communication and um hmm. and had quite a bit of catching up to do kind of or i didn't know that but i was like yeah oh, where people have degrees. I don't have one. Um, but but I could do that. That's not a problem. And I was naive enough to think at that level that you learned the skill. Like, <laughs> and, and of course, in graduate school, you don't, you learn about research and things yep. like that. So, um, but I was hooked immediately and I could relate at the time. I related it to what I knew, which was healthcare and that type of thing. So mm -hmm. I did my dissertation work and all that stuff in health communication and then I was going to go back to college administration. The PhD was just a means to an end. And um, the the Aquinas College in Grand Rapids called and said, we want you to apply for this job. I said, I didn't 
I didn't even apply. Like, how do you have my name? <laughs> Crazy. I don't want to be at a small school. I don't want to teach. And eventually, after several tries, they got me to come up for an interview. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And um, 32 years later, I'm wow. still there <laughs> teaching and teaching, you know, it changes. We teach graduate courses, undergraduate courses, whatever. Um, but I also found that that whole speaking consulting side um, was also very interesting. And, and West Michigan specifically, although I've done it in other areas as well, was very, had a lot of opportunities for consulting and speaking. And, and I find it so ironic because people always say, what can you do with the communication degree? And I thought, oh my gosh, this is by far the most marketable, profit heavy degree that I have of four degrees. And it's wow. like, and it's just, it, everybody feels like there's some aspect of a deficiency in communication, yep. whether it's in their personal life, whether it's in their family or, or organizationally, that that's the case. And so yeah. there's always a big need. Well, once you were at Aquinas, how did you then turn around and actually start uh, consulting out in the community and for Miss America and um, so on? Well, I started with well, <laughs> kind of two different areas. But yeah, let's well, start with the consulting start before with the we get start. into the practice. <laughs> Do I had always done presentations on campuses and mm -hmm. things like that or conferences, and it was like, okay. And then some, I don't even remember what the first ones were, but they were more like community service organizations would ask. They're always looking for speakers, and they asked if I would come in and present. And, and I actually, in the beginning, did a lot of presenting on my dissertation work. Um, mm. it was it was geared toward hospital staff nurses in high death areas in hospitals. So I actually got sponsored at the time, I think I worked mainly with Bristol Myers Squibb, and they would sponsor me to go to nursing conferences and and speak about my research and beyond. And so that kind of got going. and um, and it just snowballed. I mean, I, I did sign with a speaking agency at one point. But it's not very practical if you have a full-time job um, right. that oh, they sure. want you. They will call you and say, we need you to do this in Denver tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, I can't do that. And I just, and I also just got tired of the fact that it, it was much more complicated in like, uh, I couldn't set my own prices. I couldn't, um, and they took a percentage of everything. Mm. They had control basically. And I'm, there was one presentation actually at Western Michigan University. Oh, okay. They asked yeah. me to come in and present for new student orientation at Miller Auditorium and for whatever it was, three, three or 4,000 students mm -hmm. through the agency. I couldn't do it through the agency. And then they figured out that I just lived right <laughs> calling this. And then by then I had stopped with the agency and we had very, in a very good terms had, had kind of said, okay, this is enough. And the next thing I knew, they were like, um, can you just come? We'll work around your schedule. You just come down here and speak. And so I'm like, all right, I can do that. <laughs> um, and then it's just snowballed. I mean, it really has. I've never marketed. I've never, um, I don't do any advertising. And I, I probably, well, this week I'd already did a presentation to some social workers. Actually, yesterday. Last Friday, I did a presentation across the state to mm -hmm. help 
um, uh, health department. So, I mean, I can get things like every week if I want to, whether it's awesome going in. I, my preference is to go in and do a one-shot presentation on a topic. Yeah. Um, and then it, but I can, I also do a lot of work for the government for county government in, in Grand Rapids. And, um, and that's more ongoing. And so it might entail like me working with a certain part of the of the county government for quite a while, or I'm also on their training staff. So I do um, training for employees and that type of thing, but, or it can be one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm often approached by um, human resource departments um, who will say, we have this person, we don't want to get rid of them. <laughs> and, and because they're productive, they're yeah. still making money for the company, mm -hmm. but they're um, usually awkward. I mean, I don't know that it's like a social skill development or it can be a specific skill. So, so there's that, um, it, there really is a lot of opportunity. There's a ton of opportunity out there. My best, um, and the way I get the most work is either word of mouth or, um, pe people save physical handouts that I get. Oh. I don't, I still give those out because I don't, uh, even if I do PowerPoint, or whatever, I will always give out my physical handouts because they have my um, my name and my contact information. And like the last two, one was from probably more than 10 years ago that the wow. woman contacted me and said, I still have your handout. And so I won, da, 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 da. and the one before that was, I think a, a big conference I did up in Traverse City. So that was years ago as well. So I always tell people, it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to invest a ton of money in it to be able to go out and speak and make money from your speeches. It, it's not that. Then the pageant stuff, which is <laughs> a whole other area, was because um, because I was doing some work. Um, the Miss Michigan organization, I think it was like in 1999, contacted me and said, would you be interested in coaching Miss Michigan for Miss America in her private interview portion specifically? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm not <laughs> in that, but thank you. And it's, because it's time intensive as well. And I said, I, you know, I'm just not sure that pageants are aligned with my values or whatever, but um, and then they said, will you go to lunch? And I said, I will always go to lunch. <laughs> so we went to lunch and then I figured out that for that particular, for the Miss America organization, all women could win with scholarship money. And I said, well, I'm in education and they all have to do community service. And they, I mean, they basically all have about a four point grade point average. Mm -hmm. And so I started working with the um, she was in 2000, I think, that she competed. And, and I always put in it that. I would go with them as well to Miss America because oftentimes they had questions there. And um, and then I started, because I had success in that and I started to have uh, people who won uh, Miss America. I think I've had like three or four people who've won. Um, then I was asked to judge various states and it just, and, and I'm also really proficient in some of their paperwork that they have to turn in for scholarship competitions and I will help them with that. And I can usually get them as a finalist on those scholarship competitions, but mm -hmm. then they have to go in for an interview. So I'm like, well, I can't, I can't do that part. <laughs> um, but I can, if they have the right experiences and we can talk through it enough, I can work with them. And, and I still do it. I still do some of that stuff, but I, 
I have never charged a pageant contestant. Really? Ever. ever. Because, well, first of all, Miss America, if I did charge, which I could, there's business, huge businesses out there that Mm -hmm. do that. Um, But then I can't judge or I can't be involved in any other way. And I'm always like, you know what? It just, that particular thing seemed hypocritical to me. If I say I'm all for women earning money with scholarships, but then they or their parents or somebody has to pay me to win the money. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, And now I also work a lot with the Ms. Wheelchair America. um, I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, that that has been my newer thing that I've done. I've I've judged it a few times. I've coached. I've... um, this past year, I just emceed their national pageant. But, <laughs> nice. but what I love about it is that it's it's what we do. Like I'm teaching public speaking to them in workshops. A lot of theirs is going through workshops as well. And it's such a good challenge for me to take somebody who, who first of all, sitting. I mean, that's just a different perspective. Yeah. Oftentimes has limited mobility. They, um, they may be talking through computers instead or whatever. But everybody has a message and everybody can be an advocate and everybody deserves the microphone at some point. And even when they go back to their state competitions, they do have the microphone. And so I just want to make sure that they're they're comfortable and that they're ready and that they have honed their message so that people will want to hear it. So I still I do that a lot as well. Um, and that that's just lovely. I mean, I, I that's just fulfilling for me that sounds really fulfilling yeah that's awesome it really is and and it, the cool part is is that every single state level they are looking for people like us to help them and to, to develop some of their skills whether mm-hmm. it's contestants who are competing at the state level or they're miss whatever minnesota who's going to um, a national pageant i you know and again i I might work with other pageants, but I, I just haven't found any that are consistent. But I will say that almost everybody I've coached, they're like, people have such stereotypes about these women. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah well, the majority of them now are physicians or <laughs> whatever. I'm, I'm like, and they had a higher GPA than any of the other people I've ever known have had. Or I've had people who have, you know, I had one Miss Teen Michigan who she was 18 and she was in her second year of law school. <laughs> and, I'm like, and she was, uh, you know, in, in a good law school. Yeah. It was like, wow, um, no, they're, they're very accomplished. So. Yeah. Yeah. That really blows the stereotypes, doesn't it? It does. It I does. would say so for sure. Um, I'm wondering, this is, this might be a bad question because it might be a little bit too broad, <laughs> but no. um when you're working with these pageant contestants, what are kind of the main topics or things that you work on? Is it different from just like your standard, um, or I shouldn't say standard, but like the more um, like what you give to businesses or, or is the talk yeah. similar or is your coaching a little bit different for the pageants? I mean, a lot of times they will ask me to come into their, one of their orientation sessions for contestants and do a presentation on, on speaking on just public presentation, which because they're in their local communities speaking or like they always have to have a community service project that they work on or platform. Mm -hmm. And um, not only do they represent, like if somebody wins Miss America, she is on the road literally all year there. She doesn't have a home. 
Um, And there's no need for it because she's in hotels and airplanes and with traveling companions and such. Um, But even if they don't win, they go back to their local area and they're speaking Mm -hmm. constantly or for years, they represented the Children's Miracle Network. So they were also the spokesperson for that organization. And so I help them with that. A lot of times if I'm doing individual coaching, it will be about that interview. It will be about... um, it's usually a press style, a press conference style. Okay. And they, it changes from year to year, but they oftentimes have an opening statement and a closing mm-hmm. statement. And then maybe about like 12 minutes of high intense um, questions that are coming to them. And they have to be aware of every current mm-hmm. event. And, and so a lot of times it is literally going through interview after interview after interview with them and going through content and topics and, and giving them options in some cases. I, you know, quite frankly, there have been times where I've worked with them all summer and we have also done, I've helped them with talent or I've helped them in other areas of presenting. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on the person and what they need. Yeah, that's really cool. Huh, so, so that could be something that I could potentially get into later on in my you career know what? and stuff, there's that's a cool. There's a huge market. I mean, there's a, there's a huge market just for consulting and like all the consulting things that I do, and I've presented this even at, um, at com- our, our communication conferences, the academic scholarly ones that oftentimes don't talk about these issues, but they're talking about their research and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I've presented on how you can get, how you can start doing the consulting thing. And Mm -hmm. and a lot of times for me, it is about taking the topics I teach in class and making them a little bit more applied or making sure there are exercises or stories that go along with it. But I I mean, right now, a very popular topic that people want is about um, positive communication and Mm -hmm. a positive attitude. And especially, I mean, I don't care if it's organizations or uh, big corporate organizations who say our employees right now after COVID just are different and they're just not as positive and they, you know, they're not as motivated and da, 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 or if it's whatever organization. And, um, and so I talk about that a lot, or I talk about positive interpersonal relationships and I use some of our common things that we study in terms of how do you have the best interpersonal communication? Um, a lot on conflict I do mm-hmm. a lot of presentations on conflict, a lot on listening, um, certainly public speaking as well, yeah. or in some cases, team building and that type of thing as well. I mean, and a lot of times I will talk like when I'm, I just spoke with the community college because a lot of people want customer service as well for their frontline employees. And I'm like, that's easy because that's <laughs> what we do. That's, yeah. what, that's, that's what we teach. And so I'm like, yeah, I can do that. But it's, it's me meeting with them and saying, you know what, this is what I I would propose for you. And it should really be the other way. It should be they tell me, oh, these are our issues. And they do. But I'm like, let me tell you what works for me, mm-hmm. what has worked. And they love that. It's like yeah. all of a sudden I'm giving them a structure. And then, you know, you're giving part- them the strategy that they need. Almost certainly. And yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm oftentimes saying, all right, you know, we're going to, this is, I can share with you some personalized handouts that you're going to get beforehand, because I always want to relate it. I always go and look at their mission statement and all of that and relate it to 
to those areas in a mission statement and say, this is why we're talking about these things. Not just because you should be a good human being who treats people with respect and courtesy, but also because you've said as an organization, you're going to do that. Yeah. And so let's operationalize some of these words that that you have, like inclusivity and belonging and respect. And, um, and let's talk about operationalizing it and saying, how can we make these actions and behaviors and not just words, but it's about being halfway entertaining and energetic and, um, and making it practical. I usually end with um, making sure that any training I do isn't done that day. Like we do this little paper airplane toss usually where I will, like yesterday, I picked October 10th, it's usually like a week. And I say, all right, everyone write your name down fold it into a paper airplane and it's a nonverbal exercise. We do this big production with like, <laughs> when I say one planes up two prepare to launch three. <laughs> and then they get somebody else's name. And I say, okay, in one week, if we're talking yesterday, we were talking about positive communication. And I said, you have to do something positive for this person that professional <laughs> development. It does. It's not a program. It doesn't stop. It should be continual and you should be doing it for each other. Uh, there have been times where I did it, where I like I did that that exercise once. I was speaking to um, um, student interns who were all interns in West Michigan um, during the summer, so they could be international, whatever. And um, I thought we were going to be in a we were in a facility, um, but I thought it was going to be like maybe a hundred people, and it grew to. Oh my gosh, it was like six or 700 people. Wow. Um, yeah, that was kind of crazy. It was in an equity place as well, which is a mm -hmm. little bit different because then you have your own sound person. I had a security person really, <laughs> like that. And I'm like, okay. Um, but then they're on tiers. And I thought, can we really fly these airplanes at this point? And we <laughs> flew 700 airplanes. And, <laughs> and, you know, and it's also a great photo op and things. Oh, like yeah. That. So, you know, it's it's making it so that it is not the thing I fight is that I don't want people to think because I'm a professor, this is going to be school because stuffy. most people don't have the best connotations of what school is like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, I don't know. Yeah. Practical and academic. But they love the fact that any anybody who has credentialing and experience you know, that it's like, all right, you have that credibility. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, another thing I'm kind of curious about, um, out of all the different consulting, uh, gigs that you've done throughout the years, um, which one's been your favorite and why, mm -hmm. and, and which one also has been the most challenging or maybe which one do you think sh could have gone better and, and why? Oh, they could always go better, I suppose. I'm very <laughs> critical. I always grade myself on the way home. And I'm like, it's really hard for me to give myself an A. Yep. Because I know I can get an A. And sometimes I think they think they got an A, but I think you got an A minus. And that kind of makes me upset. But mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, I, I always will give them my contact information and say, if you have individual concerns, you contact me afterwards and you have my name for the rest of your life and you have my contact. And so when people contact me later with personal issues and say, it's usually, it's hardly ever about work. Um, yeah. So it's about my husband does this, da, 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 da. How do I, you know, <laughs> um, when I get a lot of those, that's a successful one. Um, there are just some that are more fun 
than than others, whether like the big intern one, that mm-hmm. was fun because I got to personalize it. I brought in I brought in a ton of props to just um, to talk to them about how you can be professional and be yourself and still be positive and that you don't have to compromise one for the other. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so that was, that was fun. The hardest, there were probably two that come to mind immediately. Well, three really that come to (laughs) mind. Um, and unfortunately they are stuck in my, one, I was speaking at, um, in Grand Rapids in Van Andel arena, um, for, and two organizations and, um, I was literally speaking on the floor and it's not, everybody has their favorite people and their favorite audience and Mm -hmm. um, middle school kids are not probably the people who I connect with. (laughs) But, but there was a lot of middle school kids or maybe like three or 4,000 people there. And it was dark and they had this stage lighting, but all of a sudden the um, local hockey team that uses the arena started Uh practicing in the middle of my presentation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm literally down on the ice speaking up and, and it's kind <laughs> of funny because I thought they thought it was funny. Like I could hear them. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my flow going and ignore the fact that they're coming out onto the ice. And I can also hear the coach in the mics yelling at them to get off the ice. And so <laughs> <laughs> that a little distracting while I was speaking. It was another time when I got to a, this was for two, it was out of town, two medical groups that were merging and they wanted to make sure that the merging went well in terms of communication. And I just, I was like, okay, we were at a nice, nice restaurant in this town. And it was on a Friday, I remember. And it was during Lent. It was a big fish place too. It was a seafood <laughs> restaurant. And I remember, oh, it's packed. Um, and I'm not as thrilled when people are like they were fed and they were watered really well. Um, mm-hmm. Drinks they had comp drinks, so they were drinking Ooh. a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's not okay. Just keep it under control. And then the people who booked me to speak, I said, well, where where do we go to speak? Where's the presentation? And it was in the restaurant. And I'm like. Uh. You think I'm going to stand up in the middle of a packed restaurant to these two tables who are in front of me and just start speaking like an idiot? I was like, I'm closer literally to people having their Friday dinner than I am. (laughs) So I I had to make some adjustments and I asked the wait staff, I'm like, do you have any barriers or any things that we can use? And da 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 da. So that that was uncomfortable. Mm. Um, Probably the one that sticks out in my mind though was I got to a presentation. Two hours, which is pretty typical, mm-hmm. and it was on conflict. I was passing out the handouts, had it all set up. The woman and I were talking. She's a contact person I've used before, and then she introduced me by talking. This happened to be talking about listening, and I said, "I'm not talking about listening." <laughs> and and you watched me pass these things out, and I have the email in front of me that says I'm talking about conflict, but she had. She had publicized it as listening. And so she literally threw me right under that bus in front of people and was like, and well, I shouldn't say that. That's being me. (laughs) But she said, um, all right, well, um, now you're going to, well, no, you're talking about listening. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess I am. And so I thought, can I, well, first there's the initial shock. 
where you just want to run away. I just oh, yeah. want to say, I have to go to the restroom and never come back. <laughs> um, and say, you deal with it now. But then I um, I said, okay, well, listen up, little boy. You have to speak for two hours now with no notes and nothing in front of you and, and start thinking in your head as you're talking as well. So that, that is probably going to stick in my head for a little bit just because of the trauma that I went through. And it went fine, but it, I don't ever want to do it again. No. I mean, the... <laughs> The irony of that, that the woman wants you to speak on listening and she didn't listen about what what you talk about. I was like, wait, you watched me pass out. You helped me. (laughs) (laughs) You handled to say conflict all over them and you knew and and you didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, okay. But but you know what? You have to have your company manners on and you never, I I mean, I wanted to just like say, what? What are you talking about? But yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, well then, great. Listening it is. And then you just go <laughs> on. Even though the inside of you saying, I just went out of here. That's all yeah. I want is I Absolutely. Want. You know, you're a real pro when you can do it off the cuff, two hour presentation. Yeah. Well, you know, you've been a teacher. <laughs> you know that yep. you can do it. I mean, that really is, that. that's probably one of the things that helped the most. But you know what? I try to I do. I I think we all need to be unique, also as consultants or speakers. And so for me, I try not to use too much technology because everybody else does. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, what makes me different and what makes me memorable is that I don't use that type of thing, or if I do, I use it minimally. Um, and I have uh, certainly during COVID, when all of a sudden I'm doing virtual training and which I didn't think I would ever want to do. I resisted it for a while and I said, no, no, no. But um, but then, you know, you're showing PowerPoint or whatever through webinars and mm-hmm. such. Um, it, it's just different. You don't see people. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you, you about that. Your slides. How, and, how you adjust to that when you're used to seeing people face-to-face, getting the reactions, mm-hmm. getting the eyeballs, and all of a sudden you've got nothing. Well, you know, you practice, I always practice with fi- creating a fake Zoom call mm-hmm. and, or my own Zoom call. And I'm like practicing looking into the dot and da 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 and all this stuff. And I practice that way, looking at the screen. And now I'm fairly used to it, although I don't, it now I'm basically given a choice or I will say, you know what, I really don't want to do it virtually unless we have to. Um, and sometimes they can, it, it, they want to still because they can open it up to more people. Like I did some things for dentists or dental hygienists, and I was the only non-dental person or whatever. Oh. <laughs> and I still submitted all my stuff so they could get their CEU credits and all that stuff. And I was present. It was supposed to be in the Detroit area and the Grand Rapids area, too specific. And I said I passed it off the first year of COVID to somebody else. And they said, no, we want you. And I thought, oh, I hope that didn't go poorly last year. But I was like, all right. And then we were going to do it live. It got shut down again, as a lot of things did. And we did it virtually. And they turned it into a webinar. So all of a sudden now, I'm getting paid the same, which was basically almost nothing from them, which is cool. That was okay. Except they now opened it up. And I think it had six or 800 people again in this (laughs) webinar. And I thought you're making a lot of money off uh-huh. of this, but mm-hmm. but even during that case, I 
couldn't, I had to present for like two hours and I had to be present for everyone else's presentation. That was part of their rules. Oh. So I had to sit through and I was the last presenter. Um, oh. and, and so it was all day and we had to do all these rehearsals and all this stuff for them. But they literally said, we're going to, if we have questions because of the technology, we're going to text you questions. And I'm like, so I have to watch the computer and my phone <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Oh. And also not break my flow that anybody know I'm looking at my phone and reading a question and then formulating an answer. But you know what? We get through it and we say, yeah, sure, I can do that. Unfortunately, <laughs> there are some people in some places, and I don't like this, where the technology that they have, even through their organization, um, not everybody has equal access. Right. And so mm -hmm. I can't put people into breakout groups, even if I wanted to, because some people don't even have cameras on their they on their phones or anything mm -hmm. like that whereas other people in the same organization have like six screens up and so i'm like no i'm not going to differentiate between people we're all going to be the same but but my preference is to be live yeah there's no doubt it's i, I feel like i'm better than two yeah, yeah. <laughs> that definitely makes sense mm -hmm. um all right, so we're starting to get a little bit close to our time. Okay, okay. Um, so we want to be a little bit respectful of your time. Um, sure. But we do also want to ask if you have any communication tips, just that, um, you know, everybody can kind of bring into their everyday lives. You obviously have a lot of experience in a lot of different parts of communication. Uh, so we're very curious what you have to say. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I, just as an addendum to the, because the, people always ask me, how do you get started in consulting and how do you get mm -hmm. started and all that stuff? There's certain things that you do need to have. You need to have, or at least I need to have an introduction written up about yourself. You should always keep a whole slate of topics that you potentially could do because you are going to be asked to do other things if you're good and, and yeah. you don't want to cut yourself short. Um, I have a client list that I will share with them that is pages long, divided by healthcare, education, wow. or whatever, and, and just so that they know more about me mm -hmm. going into it. And I would I would suggest to people to get that kind of stuff ready if they want to do consulting, or just call me, contact me, and I'll be happy to help. Um, in terms of what I would say is a tip. I guess it's common sense things. This is <laughs> things I tell people. It's like, if you're going to communicate, have passion. And I don't care if it's the 800th time you've said something. If you can't have passion in 801, then don't say it. And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you have to be a cheerleader. It doesn't mean you have to be demonstrative. It doesn't mean that you have to be so excited. But, um, but you have to have conviction about your message. Mm -hmm. And it has to be sincere when you think. Yes. Yeah, it does have to be. It has to be sincere. They have to perceive that you're not manipulative or that yes. you're trustworthy and that you're credible. But but for me, it's a sense of, you know, I, I tell people, if you want people to listen to you, give them a story they'll want to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> tell it. I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, you, sweetie, you don't even realize how boring you look. <laughs> like, um, you're such a poor self-monitor and then you wonder why people don't listen. It's like, <laughs> you seem bored with yourself. The thing I would say is to be present at every moment. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, it's so simple, but I'm like, you know what? If you're going to be literally someplace physically, be there mentally. If you say you're listening, try as hard as you can to listen to people. And all of a sudden you will become a hero. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I will stop speaking 
when they think you've stopped listening. And I don't want that to happen, whether it's in marriages, in friendships, in um, organizations. Um, Why would they always wonder, why won't people share with us their ideas, the frontline staff? And I'm like, because you don't listen to them when they do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I run or they think that and perception is reality. So that sounds like such a simple statement that people stop listening when or stop talking when you stop listening. But it's really Mm -hmm. so true and profound. It really is. You know, again, most of the things that I when I speak to people, I'm like, I'm here to remind you. I may teach you a few things. I may talk about like that whole disconfirmation stuff and all this. I may teach you some new words, but I'm just here to remind you of of the way that you should want to treat people and the way Mm -hmm. that you want to be treated. And let's just talk about some of these things. And and that keeps them more engaged if I can approach it that way and make it practical. And and again, I still put the little theoretical things in or... Mm -hmm. And or if it's a really specialized topic, like people want to know about social media now, and I do presentations on that or, you know, all types of things. But it's like, okay, I still have to make sure that they can apply it. Yep, for sure. Otherwise, it just doesn't it doesn't work. The other thing I would suggest to people is think about your I mean, this is so crass, but think (laughs) about pricing. Um, You know how people always ask me, well, what should I charge as a speaker? And, you know, usually you will do things, I do things for free all the time, but there are certain places where I would never do it for free mm-hmm. because if I did it for free, they wouldn't ask, they wouldn't allow me. Um, if you don't charge enough to some organizations, uh-huh. it's a weird world, um, yeah. they don't think that you're credible enough, right? Mm-hmm. but you should have a profit. Well, I do at least a for-profit and a non-profit mm-hmm. scale. Gotcha. And sometimes I'll just say, what's your budget? What's yeah. your budget? But don't undersell yourself. I think so often communication people undersell themselves. And, Big you know, time. the going rate can, I mean, it just varies. It can be like, it depends what the, I, I feel like I'm uh, saying things that I shouldn't say, but um, <laughs> it's pro- like, I probably would charge like $250 an hour to $1,000 an hour. And when I'm off speaking, like, yes, the, whatever, I usually say, it will be about a thousand dollars an hour for me to present, and usually places don't. They're like, like that's, yep. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And so when people say, you know, well, what are you going to do with this communication stuff? I'm like, you know what, you you can make a pretty good living if if you do it right, mm-hmm. you do it well. I mean, it's and and if you really practice, I practice. I've done so many presentations; it's not even funny. But I tell you, I have. <laughs> Never once gone to a presentation and not felt prepared and say, I'm going to wing it. Mm-hmm. I did this one two days ago. I'm going to wing it. No way. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to make sure that I am as on as I can be because they they deserve that. Yeah, right. definitely. Right. Um, and, you know, I just, oh, sorry, mom. You I was going to say, when you go back to the pricing, so many people, I think in communications, one thing we do not think about is the value that you bring. Value-based pricing is- yep really imperative and it depends like government like when i speak for well the kent county government or whatever here i know that they have a price structure that mm-hmm. they they stay within even though i've their longest trainer 
And so they keep raising mine every year and saying, you know what, we just feel like we have to keep like your value, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So we have to keep you. And I'm like, that's fine. But um, but as long as I'm having fun with it, I, I it's not even about the money. It's about educating. It's about a community service. I work at a college, so I should be out in the community and we should all be resources for each other. And I always tell people, I'm like, you represent your brand. You represent your own name. And so it should be as good as it can be and have fun, have fun with that. Yeah. I still get nervous, but my nerves peak my performance now. They do not inhibit me. Yeah, nice. I think that's a nice. good way of thinking about it for sure. Like I always tell my students when I'm teaching, um, mm -hmm. I'm like, when whenever you have nerves, most of the time, it's like a combination of excitement and nervousness, you know, because yeah. you're excited to be able to share your to be able to share your message and that kind of thing. Um, but really quickly, I just wanted to go back to how you were talking about how important it is to speak with passion. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the most important like practical tip I've taken away from my communication studies so far. Yes. Um the ability to just speak passionately and confidently about something can mask so many things that you're doing incorrectly with public right. speaking or just speaking interpersonally. It can mask and hide so many things you're doing wrong because if you just sound passionate about something, people are just so much more likely to believe you and just want to listen, right? Exactly. And especially if when you're speaking, I don't care if it's to 10 people or if it's to a thousand people. Mm -hmm. If you can create interpersonal relationships yep. with them in that passion, and if you can non-verbally and verbally, that's my goal is to, to look like I am having a conversation with you. It's a heightened conversation, but that's going to keep them much more engaged along with my own personal sense of enthusiasm and the fact that I truly believe what it is I'm saying. I stopped doing team building workshops for a while because I'm like, you know what? I'm just tired of it. And I just don't want to do it anymore. And it's just old for me. <laughs> and I thought, I don't, I'm not the person. I'm not that person who has passion for it. And then after I'm away from it for a while, then all of a sudden I get it again. Or I think of new ideas to do. But sometimes we just need a break. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Dave, we really appreciate you coming on. This has oh, been a blast time. getting to talk to you again and hearing about all your different experiences. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dave. You're welcome. And it's, it's, always a pleasure to talk to the two of you actually <laughs> and, and to talk about what we all love um and how we can kind of uh, use it literally especially in times like right now where sometimes people feel still feel relatively isolated mm -hmm. even if it's not physically isolated mentally isolated and yeah. the world is not always um sometimes people just haven't been behaving lately politically <laughs> or otherwise <laughs> um and and it's it's just a rough time and so sometimes our message that we have to to share is, is a very healing message as well or can be awesome yeah. i absolutely love that as a way to wrap up this episode thank you so Perfect. much dave for, for coming on again um and to all of our listeners we'll give you a call next week thank you mm -hmm.